Hey guys, welcome back. Clocks on the stove. Super stoked about today. We have our first ever female guest. Been in the works for a long time. We have Taylor Telechia, professional beach handball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. We thought so at first I thought it was beach volleyball. Talked to her this morning. Beach handball, brand new sport-ish. And you want to just elaborate a little bit on what what is beach handball and everything? Yeah, so beach handball is an upcoming sport in the United States. Um, it's really big in Europe. There is an indoor handball. A lot of questions I ask is, do you guys need gloves? Um, no, that is a different handball. Um, I also call that like a wobble. Um, so a beach handball has two nets and it's four and four. It's a lot of sports combined, um, but it is very similar to the indoor handball, um, except for not as aggressive and there's specialty points. So you can do a 360 spin or an alley-oop for two points, and then everything else is a one point unless you're a specialty. And kind of the specialty kind of works is the exact same as hockey with substitution, where you can't sub on until somebody has subbed off. So working with that means uh, the specialty and the goalie works together and they sub in and out in the same area and they are worth two points anytime they shoot. You see, when so, I was watching, it looked like that the goalie was the specialty. He just like came out, but they actually switch. They actually switch. Yes. They can only substitute in at the goalie area on where you are. So on one side of the court, typically the special is the last one to the play. Um, but yeah, and then the, they're the first one off. So the goalie can run on. How long is the court? Because when I watched it, it's like goalie section, everybody section, goalie section. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, a measurements I have somewhere, but it basically it's a six meter. So where the goalie is, it's a six meter. So you can't enter into that. Yeah, only the goalie can, can be in that whole area, correct? Yeah, exactly. That in the specialty. Yeah. So um, the goalie can use their feet and hands in that area. But uh, for like the 360 spins, the alley-oops and just anything, you can jump behind the line. And as long as the ball is released, you can land inside of the oh, goalie okay. area. Yep. Yep. You just can't bring that ball inside or even defense. You can't jump and try to block a shot if you're inside of that. It's an automatic six now, meter shot. What if you block the shot in the air before you touch the ground? That's fine. Okay. Perfectly fine. Yep. I'm pretty sure I saw a video of a dude like completely like diving in front of it and hitting it. He wasn't the goalie. Yes. Yeah. So that's what the defense does. Um, you're technically down a player because it's a three and then your goalie. So that's mm -hmm. your fourth player. And then the offense has four outside. So you're always looking on offense side. You're always looking for the two on one. Um, so just like basketball, you're looking for that easy um, defender and offense. Like a but mismatch. The biggest thing, what was that? Like a mismatch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but the biggest thing is the defense is for you to turn around and try to block that ball. Um, you're not so much looking for a block every single time. You're looking to take part of the net away. So you're looking to take that far um, half when the goalie has a closest post, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask, you brought up how the sport is kind of like a culmination of multiple sports. You brought up hockey and basketball. Um, are there any other sports you see kind of like feeding into the game that you can like recognize or you feel that um, pertain to it? Absolutely. So water polo. That's a big one that I see a lot of. I'm a big um, fan of water polo. Big fan. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so very similar to water, water polo. Um, but the, the thing that doesn't really is a 360 spin. So the only thing I can kind of think about is we do have a player. Um, a, I do a club team here in Florida and we have a player that did ice hockey. So that was kind oh, of yeah, okay. that um, 360 spin. Cause I was like, I don't know uh, what sport. And then she came out. I was like, ice hockey. That's um, no, those are the, the main ones that I see. Yeah, no, it, then, looks, um, it looks awesome. Oh, sorry, interrupt you, Zach. It looks awesome. So for the – so I'm just trying to dumb it down so everyone can, like, like get it visually in their brain. So yes. it's it's a six – it's it's like, a, it's like a little court outside on the beach, and there's yep. a goal and a goal. And then on each side, there's six meters out that only the goalies can go in that spot for that given team. 
Like, Correct. so my team's defending that side. Only my goalie could be in that box unless for the, the block in the air or the or the alley-oop or especially 360 in the air. And Correct. then the middle's fair game. That's everyone. Yep. Okay, now yep. th- here's where I want to go with this. For the middle, it is like, I believe, like normal handball where you get three steps and a pass. Correct. Now, Correct. is there is there uh, like in basketball, you only get at least 24 seconds with the ball. Is there a time limit with the ball or can we just keep passing until we see a good shot? Yes and no. There's not an exact time, but um, the refs will uh, basically put up their hand. And that means you have from that about four passes, four to six passes. And every ref's a little different on how much time they mm-hmm. want to give to that. Also, if you're on the six meter line and there is no defense around you and you had a shot open and you just decided to take it or pass the ball back, that is also, uh, that's an automatic, uh, put the ball down, their defense turns into the offense and that is a turnover. Yeah, I'm a little confused on that. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little? Yeah. So let's say. Um, I'm having a really off game and, um, the defense is like, you know what, just leave her out there and let her shoot. So I get the ball and it's on the six meter line and I go and I'm on like, the oh. opponent's six meter line, not your six meter exactly. line. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. The opponents. And I'm like, Nope, I don't want to shoot this. And I pass it back out. That's an automatic turnover and it's defense ball at that point. Why wouldn't you want to shoot that? You just in, like, just like any sport, if you're in your head or you're just like, you know what, somebody else has a better shot or I want somebody else to shoot, but the defense left you open, that's automatic. And they're like, nope, you can't do it because it was an open shot. So it's kind of like Typically, a cherry, it's kind of like cherry picking a little. Exactly. Yep. Okay. I like, yep. I like what you said with the hand thing. Cause that's like textbook wrestling right there. You get okay. it with a stall warning. And then in, in international wrestling, they'll do stall warning and then they'll paddle you. And then whoever got paddled, you have 30 seconds to score or the other guy gets a point. So okay. It's extremely similar to wrestling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm starting to realize. Just like this sport is so unique. It's, you can relay it to some sport along the way. Um, you, you were talking about the middle spot being open. So you're exactly right. So three steps you get, but in indoor, you can dribble the ball um, for beach it's hard to dribble. You can't exactly. You can't dribble on the sand. And if you think of the ball, think of a ball as a perfect dodgeball. There's two different sizes. There's a women and a men's size and it fits perfectly in your hand. It's squishy. Um, it has little triangles all over it. Yeah. Just think of it as the perfect dodgeball. So that's the ball we use. If we put it down and then put our hand up where you can see that there is a space in between the ball and the hand, that is technically a dribble and you get another three steps or three seconds with the ball. So you, so I would like run three, put it down, move my hand and grab it, run three again. Yes. But in yep. that time, when I put it down, can the other team grab it? Technically? Yes. You don't see it a lot because yeah. your hand's not that far from yeah, it. Cause it'd be kind of like, if they miss it, that's a, that's one less defender they have already. In the exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 So you just do that. You can only do that one time and then you can't like constantly keep dribbling it. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Um, some other things I'm trying to see other rules. Um, dribbling. Um, for what defense? Like what exactly are you doing on defense? Like can, can I hit it out of your hand? Can I like, how's defense work? No. So you, so that's different from the indoor. Indoor is very physical. You can kind of wrap around you can do stuff like that uh beach is not the only time you can kind of go and grab the ball is if the offense doesn't have it so if they're doing an overhead pass and you can you're taller than the person you can kind of like poke it mm-hmm. you can do that but other than that you can't steal the ball from them a lot of people will kind of run with the ball in front of them to kind of make room because you can't swap it out of their hand when you're doing a 360 you cannot um, take the ball from like while they do the three C. You can't touch the ball at all, and, and the defense has to give them space to do a three sixty or an alley oop. So, meaning that if I follow through on you, that's a foul, and it's a six meter shot. If they didn't make the shot, wow, um, that kind of reminds me of like. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like oh, ultimate frisbee, ultimate yeah. frisbee okay. in a sense. Like you really, yes. you got to give the offense the time to like build up play. And whatnot. And um, the only difference I'd say is it's 
it seems a lot more ref oriented. Like there's a lot of judgment calls to be made within the game. Um, from that, do you think because the game is so new, um, refing is a bit of an issue right now, or is it just something that everyone's trying to figure out? No, uh, they're pretty strict on what the rules are, but you are correct. Um, there are some refs. I look at it as NFL. There's some refs that are stricter than other refs, but here's the guidelines. They follow it pretty much to a T. It's how much they let them play. Guys, I see them let them play a little bit more than girls. Um, another thing that I see a lot on with, with the guy side is they, um, wherever the foul is marked, typically you have to start in that spot. Guys, I just see them pick up the ball and throw it down for fast breaks, for anything along those lines. When women, they're pretty much, they kind of let them set up, then they blow the whistle and have them start. Now, you were telling me earlier, you started the season off, I believe, as offense and then, or defense, and then made your way to offense. So yes. when the ball gets transitioned, are they just, it's like hockey, like subs are just flying in. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have a substitution error, you have to play with a man down. So they'll call a foul. You'll have to take that person off and you're down instead of playing four versus three. Technically you're playing three on three. So if there's so, a fast break, like say like me, you and Zach are running down, I'd have a horrible yep. pass to Zach and there's, there's no time to switch subs. Just offense is automatically have to go into defensive mode. Um, yeah, it just depends on, let's say if we're at our line, our six meter line. Yeah. We'll just stay on and we'll play mm -hmm. defense for that point. Um, there's no point in substituting then, right? Like it's already too fast. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so unlike basketball where you get X amount of substitute or um, X amount of substitution, you get unlimited as long as you just do it properly. So as long as your whole body is off the court, or that's when someone is allowed to get on. Um, and then also with like substitution is you'll see it a lot for the fast breaks. And let's say the defense or the offense scores, um, goalie pulls it out of that net. They already, two people are typically off. Typically the offense um, will have, or the defense will jump off that first person where the next person that's ready to jump on is the offense. And they're already at that other corner ready to do a 360 spin. And typically the, either the goalie's not on or none of the defense is on. So you'll see that a lot too, is a, for the fast break. You seem very um, knowledgeable about the rules. I know um, based off what we gathered, you started playing in February of this year. Is that correct? Yeah. So funny story. Um, I met somebody at a volleyball tournament because I played beach and it was in January. And my husband has been telling me for years, the way to the Olympics is handball. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, not like we're ever going to play handball. And, um, and he's like, no, 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 this is the way I was like, okay. So she was talking about beach handball. And I was like, excuse me, I need to know more about this because <laughs> I know nothing about beach handball. And my husband keeps saying the way to the Olympics is handball. And she's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, I'm on the national team. You know, if you've already played beach, you would, I feel like you would fit in really well. Um, so we exchanged numbers. We talked for a little bit. Um, she told me what I needed to work on to try out for the team. And then there was a tryout in February. I ordered the indoor ball, not knowing that was a difference between an indoor and beach ball. So when I went to try out, I didn't even have the correct ball. And, um, I tried out in February and somehow made the team and yeah, that now we have our own club. I know the correct ball. <laughs> I know all the rules. <laughs> so so what's the difference between the indoor ball and the outdoor ball? I think we already went over it a little bit. Yeah, or maybe so just the indoor ball, ball is, um, best way to think about it is like a soccer mixed with a basketball. Small, still fits in your hand. It dribbles, um, but they put a whole bunch of like this stickiness around it. So it's like attached to your hand. You when really the beach, that thing. Yeah, yeah. And you, and it has some weight to it unlike the beach ball that is mostly um, rubber it's all rubber and sometimes it has grips around it depending on which tournament you're going to um, but like I said it's like the perfect dodgeball yeah I saw I saw a picture of one and they had like a bunch of like little triangles like little like yes. things on them for like grip yep yep because with the sand and just sweatiness and all of oh, that stuff, imagine, yeah it's uh, <laughs> yeah and you can I think it's up to one team 
Um, one time per team, you can ask to change out the ball or if it gets super sweaty, then you can try to like wipe it off. So um, they do have balls at the end of each uh, goal for the goalie. So like, let's say they're one that flies off, then they can just run behind their goal, grab that. And that will be the new ball that's in play. It is two periods, 10 minutes each. And each period is separate from each other. So let's say it's U.S. playing China. U.S. wins the first one. China wins the second one. It would go into a shootout. Which is 10, shootout, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 10 minutes. So, and like I said, um, if you score without doing a 360 spin alley-oop specialty, it's only one point. Everything else is worth two points. And most of the time in these national teams, everyone's shooting for two points. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty high scoring game. You can get anywhere from mid twenties to for the women's to about mid thirties for the men. Um, so so that's really like 60 something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so let's say, um, the U S wins the first one, China wins the second one, you go to a shootout, you have five uh, players that the coach picks and they go and same thing. You only have three steps. Um, you can only hold the ball for three seconds, but it's one-on-one with the goalie. So you pass it to your goalie. You're on the six meter line, your six meter line, you'll run in and then you'll catch the ball from your goalie. And that will be, you have your three steps. You don't have to take all three, but then from that point, you try to do your 360 spin and shoot it. So there's no, Um, there's no real defense then it's just shooter versus goalie. Yep. Correct. Uh, Women's you'll see that you'll see like maybe a lot of the taller girls will come out and they'll just switch you can switch between a specialty and goalie at any time in the game. So what that means is you just throw on your other Jersey. Um, so you see that a lot with def- or for the shootouts is like a taller girl or even a defensive girl. So they would come out and they come even past that six meter line and they try to block from there. Um, there is a thing called golden goal. So let's say it's one, the, either period and you both score 10 points and that's it. The game is over. The 10 minutes is over. You have, and how you start every play is just like basketball, a toss up between you and the other team. And so same thing. After every point? No, no, no. Nope. Just at the very beginning. Okay. Okay. But for the golden goal. So golden goal means it's tied 10 minutes are over. You'll have another toss up. And then from there, the next person that shoots, it can be one or two points. So everyone goes for one point you win that period. So it doesn't matter how long. Yeah. First one. So kind of like hockey, where it's like first goal and that's it. Um, and so typically if you win that toss up, that's a big deal because at that point you just have to score one point and that period's over. Now talking about, there's a lot of running on the sand. Do they level out the sand in between the, the sets? Mm, yes and no so they do it around the lines of it so you can see it mm. but they don't and in the goalie area those are the only so couple if you areas a huge stick and you put like a big hole in the middle that's going to be there the whole game yep yep wow yeah so um and going back to like the dribbling i've seen uh in worlds this year i saw a guy like truly dribble a ball he threw it as hard as possible and it gave him that momentum to go but I've also had that backfire where I shot like the perfect bottom right shot I was like yes this is great and it hit a pot of sand and went complete opposite um just like hockey the whole ball does have to cross over the plane for it to score now is there any sort of like rule in place because I know in hockey what you'll see is uh when goalies come out um, like during warmups, they'll scrape up the ice around the goal to kind of like slow the puck down. Are goalies allowed to mess with the sand in their six meter area to try to like give them an advantage in that sense? Yeah. So they're not allowed to, but doesn't mean that they don't, and you don't ever see anyone doing it on purpose, but you do see those big mounds, especially by the post area where they're like pushing off, they're doing things like that. So, um, no, People don't do that. It just happens to get created like that I way. Like yeah, I feel like it's inevitable. Just posting yeah. and sticking in the sand, it's just gonna, it's gonna move. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing about playing in the sand is your body, I feel like, lasts a little bit longer. Um, yes. I played. 
college volleyball indoors and then moved to beach. And I'm just like, wow, I, I can, my body can last so much longer. So I feel like it's the same way for beach handball. And it's obviously great because people aren't doing 360 spins indoor, but beach, it's a little bit of a cushion and the sand is quite deep at these tournaments. And you were talking that uh, your husband said the fastest way to the Olympics was uh, handball. Is that like your dream? Like you wanted to be an Olympian? Is that something you're, you're going, you've been going for? Um, so, um, yeah, I haven't had the best luck in sports. Um, college, I had, um, a coach that wasn't the best. And so, uh, but I was sixth in the nation for blocks at the time. So I was also having really bad back problem. So, um, I got an email right after going in for, um, a steroid um, injection in my back. And I was asked to, um, see if I wanted to come and try out for the indoor team and for the Olympics. And at the time they were having a big scandal with, um, drugs and all that. So they were really strict about saying like, you can't do this. You can't have any uh, steroids and all that. So, um, kind of shot myself in the foot with that, but then I went ahead and my husband's big dream was the Olympics. And so I counted it off once you leave college and don't do anything sports wise. So I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just have fun and just do sports as a pastime. And then he's been telling me about the handball and handball just, it wasn't big here. It's big in, like I said, it's big in Europe, it's big everywhere else. So in 2028, the Olympics will be here in the United States and we get an automatic bid. So that's when he was just like, you should really, like we need to look into it before then, because if we get an automatic bid, we can go to the Olympics. So I was like, okay. And then, so yes, it was, but I kind of just shrugged it off after college. Yeah. So it's actually kind of an old sport as I was um, looking through, it says on the website that the, it was first introduced as an outdoor sport during the 1939 summer Olympic programs, but then it got moved to an indoor sport in 1972. Yeah. Yeah. I also read that. Um, I wanted to get a little bit more information. I don't know much about that mm-hmm. because when everything we were looking at, they're like, yeah, the first tournament was like 1940s or things along, along those lines. So I thought that would have been a really cool history just to tell our clubs board and like, Oh, yeah. they say, but I think this new round it, with all the new rules and all of that, I think is that was in the nineties, 1990s. Is yeah, 19, when, like, 1997 in Denver, okay. I believe. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, and that's when like the 360 spins and not as aggressive. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It was not, it got um, officially recognized by the International Handball Federation in 1994. Okay. 94. Yes. And the first world championships of it was in 2013. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we just had one in Greece. Uh, I just did a little international tour here and where we went to Italy, or I'm sorry, we uh, played in Netherlands and then went to Italy and then uh, did Worlds in Greece. Um, so it was just really cool playing because the other, the first two are clubs where club is massive and a lot of the international people will play on clubs. Uh, um, I played, you know, which is just incredible hearing about some of these teams that's been playing for years and been trying to get, you basically need points to get into this. You need to win X amount. Um, so it was really cool playing in these and getting the, the touch and the feel for these international sports. So you brought up some of like the new rule changes. Um, I kind of wanted to go into that. Um, are there any different rules based off like international play or club play? I know you talked about kind of the balls being different based off where you play, um, but are kind of the rules always the same or what kind of like things change? Yeah. So the only thing that has changed is the uniform. So we used to be able to wear um, sports bras and like a bikini and uh, there was the indoor team also wore the same thing. And there was this big thing last Olympics of uh, people just like, they were like, we want the choice. So um, they came back and there's just like, okay, you can have the choice. Now you get no choice and you get spandex and a Jersey. So for the international play you for the club, you can still wear the bikinis and that's fine. But for 
like worlds and all that, you have to follow the guidelines of jerseys and sports and spandex. But everything else rule-wise is, is the exact same. Now, who would you say is like the top dog for women's beach handball, like country-wise? So Germany just won worlds uh, this year twice. And um, so Germany is fantastic. Denmark always brings a really great team. And um, to kind of also throw in the average age is about 30 to 35 um, for handball. So you can still be older and still play. Um, So talking about that, Denmark is just kind of rebuilt their team. And I think they got fourth place still this year or sixth place. So um, the young kids, it is in the junior Olympics. So the young kids are starting to come up, but Germany is great. Denmark's great Um, on the guy's side, Brazil um, and Croatia was the one that won it this year. Now, when you you talk about the age of it being 30 to 34, would you say it's mostly because it's like, I'm not, I don't want to sound derogatory by saying this. But I just want to say, is it mostly like people kind of like you that are just like love sports in general and don't care about which sport they compete in. They just want that competitive nature back. And it's just like a lot of people that were like all over the place and they were like, Oh, I can still compete in this. Cause there's not that much durability in it or and there's not that much physical impact and stuff like that. Um, I think that's a big thing for the United States. I don't know if it is for Europe. Okay. I think they just love this play. There's a guy in the Qatar team and he has to be 55 um and so he just and they they grew up with this so because they grew up with it they love this yeah that's 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 more the aspect i was saying is like you don't have kids uh i'm sorry to interrupt you you don't have kids coming here in america at six years old like i want to play handball it's more of like you hit 30 you're like i really miss playing sports i'm still competitive i'm still working out all the time i can do this versus you go to like qatar like you said or croatia they're training them from a younger age that is a route that they're specifically focused on just handball yeah yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think so. I think so. Especially for the U S I think it's just like a lot of the girls I talk to, they've played other sports and a lot of team, the girls on the national team, they played other sports. And so they're like, I just found this or yeah. I played indoor and then moved to here. But yeah, when it comes from overseas, they grew up playing this and absolutely love it. Um, one of the things I was reading, uh, through the GoFundMe thing is your husband said you guys bought like a makeshift net and just were kind of practicing some of the things that you had worked on just in the tryout. How is kind of like your regiment built up from then? Are you still doing the same things or like what's changed? Yeah. So when we first were trying out, like I said, it was a 360 spins and I was just like, I don't know how to do a 360 spin. So we were just trying to get the feel for it Um, now. And my husband has been amazing and he made me the net when we first tried out with the indoor handball. Um, Now we actually have a court. We made our own lines. We have enough for two nets. Um, We are growing the club down here so we can, go ahead and really share with the world, like what this sport is. Every time we put it on the beach, everyone asks, what is this? How do we play? Um, people truly love it. And I think it's such a fast paced game that I think could grow. Um, but what we're doing now is on Fridays, we practice from anywhere from about three hours. And we start with the easy stuff of hey, let's just shoot like your specialty one point shots. Let's um, throw some funky steps in here. Let's practice the steps. When before I was just really practicing timing for defense. um, And also beforehand, I was just really getting the feel for this ball, like just for like different steps, because I never had to do anything that I had to could only take so many steps. I played basketball in college, but as long as you dribble, you can take as many steps as you want. Um, but now I'm starting to get the feel of two on ones, noticing the court, what we watch a lot of film. Um, so in our spare time, we come home and we're like, okay, where did you see the two on one? We watch ourselves. We, um, try like right now I'm trying to get three different spin options. I'm trying to get one that looks like a chair. I'm trying to get one that jumps straight up. I'm trying to go like towards the net. So now I'm just trying to play around and feel for the shots. Um, before I was just trying to make it in the net. Now I'm trying to get the feel for little right over the goalie soft shots into the net. I'm trying to hit the corners. I'm trying to get like the perfect shots. So now it's just tuning everything up. 
Are there like plays and like and like defensive strategies and formations, or is it kind of just like free play, like get open, make it happen? Yeah, um, I apparently the the good thing about the USA is we are changing the game because we are coming from different sports, and it's not just a oh this is what you're supposed to do. Um, we're bringing basketball into it, so we're bringing that's like was, a yeah, one. That's what I was thinking of is like different plays, like two, three defenses and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So where do we do a two a one on two? So we have a person up front and two people behind them mm-hmm. and it disrupts the passer, basically the point guard that runs everything because they're not used to that person being out going crazy and, and doing all that stuff. Up, like, yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, we definitely bring a lot more and I can start seeing an international that people are noticing that works and starting to use that as well. And just kind of getting out of the old European way of playing. So you mentioned kind of like building your club down here and like utilizing other sports. Have you noticed any sports in particular that have transitioned the best um, to beach handball? Is there any place you're like looking to try to pick players out of, or just trying to like have open doors and accept anyone? That oh yeah. Wants no, to play? Yeah. So we're definitely open to anybody that want to come out. I think every single time we do this, we're always ex- just explaining the rules and saying like, and we start people off as specialists. Um, the cool thing about us going overseas is uh, summer was we got to learn from little kids like how do you learn a 360 spin how do you feel comfortable in your body doing stuff like this um and so we learned like for a 360 spin you do double bo- uh, bunny hops and that's just kind of getting you that feel but for the defense it's still the same timing as you would for a 360 spin so if you're turning around and trying to block that you still have the same timing without messing that up um we learned a lot from that, but you know, we're open for anything. I do see the sport that, um, people play the most that transfers really well is basketball. Um, cause you can say like, okay, I want you to push them to the line. I want you to get in that same defensive position and I want you to move them that way without touching them. So, and just like basketball, you can get a, a defensive charge, um, or a charge called, and then it's, ball drops right there you switch and the defense goes to offense so that's the only thing that really that the defense can do um chart or like foul wise to get the ball so that transfer over is really well too i'm just like yeah and like set your feet get there before that person and let them run right into you i meant to ask you that earlier and i just i I blanked out because i remember you saying you know defense is very limited but i was like there's no way they're gonna let a uh an offensive person just truck a defensive player Correct. Yeah. So they, you can't do that. Um, the only time, and this is, this is the only thing that with the ref, um, and it is such fast play. It's hard to tell if they were set or not. Um, but you think you got a charge and then they'll call it against you. So, but that's the only thing that defense can do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, when you went, uh, so I'm sorry, there you go. I was just going to ask, we talked about some of um, kind of like the violations within the sport, how like if you make an illegal substitution, you'll have to play with a man down. Um, what are kind of like the punishment or fouls that um, they invoke, I guess, like other than just taking a player out? Yeah, so uh, just like other sports, you get um, a foul. You basically get two fouls. The second, uh, the second, it's, they're called suspensions. Your second suspension, you are actually out of the game. They kick you out. Um, there, you can automatically get a red card. Those are more of like, if you go in person, um, or obviously any like spitting, I did never seen this. So any spitting on somebody, anything like that automatic red card and you're, you have to leave the field. Um, the suspension wise, you, your team probably on an average get one or two suspensions a game um so they're common and they're kind of common so the biggest ones that we get is you know we're being too aggressive on our block so you go and jump into it and we didn't give them enough time to spin or enough area to spin and we collide and they're just like that's dangerous that you have to stand up you get a suspension you're out for and your team is down for the next possession. So typically a six meter shot, it happens at that point if they didn't make that original shot. Um, and going back to like red cards, 
if someone is trying to do like 360 spin and when they're coming out of it, the defense is like, oh, there's a ball and they'll try to do like that. Anything that can like break an arm, that's when they pretty get strict with the red card. Now, I was watching some of the film of like the overseas games and like the, the world championships. And there's actually like a pretty big crowd at some of these matches. Where would you say you felt like there was the most like respect and attention and, and fan support out of all the places you've played in the world? Um, so Germany is amazing at following their team. They come and support no matter where they were. The Netherlands, they were there. Italy, they were there. Where else they were there? They just had a great following. Um, I feel like each tournament I've played, there was some um, great things about them. But Italy, the where they just were, and it be, it was also EBT finals. You look to your right, and you had amazing water like right there you had the wind off of it it felt amazing but then to your right you had these mountains right behind you so that was really cool and I feel like a lot of people and it was in Sicily um so I feel like a lot of people went and traveled for that but I, I that's also like the EBT final so um but beach handball brings out tons of fans um, and they'll come travel. They'll all wear the same thing. They'll start organizing. Um, it's just like NFL here. Like they have their team, which is just a little, little hot in Greece. Um, it was in June. So it was a little hot, but the fans didn't care. They stayed mm. out and they watched their team play. Um, so it just depends on, it was really more of like the team perspective. Um, USA, we, it was really cool because it was worlds and, it was a school trip and they ended up finding out that we were there and it, we just happened to play. The girls were first, the boys were second. And so you, I think it was about 67 people ended up just coming off of a bus and took up the whole, uh, our whole sideline and was cheering us on. So that was really cool seeing that. And like I said, they changed their plans around just to come and support the USA and Greece. And I thought that was absolutely incredible. No, that is super awesome. Love that. Um, yeah, one of the things I was one of the things I was just going to ask was, what do you think um, makes the German team uh, as good as they are? Was it just the size, the athleticism, their understanding of the game? Like, what kind of sets them apart as like the top dogs? Um, they do have a couple of players that are six two and taller, six five. Um, they have been playing forever. I think they just know where each other is going to be. Um, that was the biggest thing. Uh, and with us being still new to it, um, we're still trying to figure out, um, where our team's going to be, how we move and going into, like I said, I play beach volleyball and it takes six months just for you to get used to one person on the court, you and your partner, how you move. I can only imagine three other people then moving off and then trying to get defense on top of that. So I just think these people hang out with each other all the time. They practice with each other all the time. They're in clubs with each other all the time. So they can move and they can throw a ball with their eyes closed and they know where each other is going to be. So that's, I think that's the biggest thing for these teams that are winning every single time, all of that. Cause once like, even with Denmark, yes, they have um, a lot of younger people that just joined they you can tell from a couple years ago when they were competing to now just that groove is a little bit off um just trying to get that feel for each other as a teammates yeah team chemistry yep now how how are your matches brought are they broadcasted like how what what's like how is it getting put out to the media like how is it broadcasted how is it promoted so each um tournament it just depends but a a lot of it's on YouTube. Okay. Um, like YouTube live? I like think live Worlds stream? was. Uh, yeah. So we, there is live stream, but the thing is um, for Worlds, it was around 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So a Ooh. lot of people couldn't watch it. So they, uh, and I think they're going to put it on YouTube. I know now with the Qatar uh, tournament that was in 2018, I believe. That one is like, I'm still starting to find new film that's being put up like last year or so I'm hoping that the same for Greece. I'm hoping they put it, but there is a live stream and we try to always um, say how to watch it and what times and in the time zones. 
Yeah, I like how you said that uh, one reason why you think it could be so successful is because it's a faster-paced game, and I do completely agree with that. Um, and I do think that's that's also something that's going to benefit more people to coming to it and, and it becoming more popular. How would you say from your perspective what we could do as a country to get this sport more popular and more mainstream? Just knowing, knowing what it is, uh, knowing that it exists. Uh, like I said, I lived here in Florida and we play on the beach every day, play mm. beach volleyball all the time. And I've never heard of beach handball. And I'm just flabbergasted because we live on a beach. Why? Like there's a lot of sports like that. Um, uh, beach tennis, there's um, just a lot of sports that we don't know about. Um, and I feel like because they are fast paced, they can catch on really fast. So just being open-minded also to all sports. Um, we tell our volleyball players, we're like, oh, you should come and try this. And the ones that have absolutely love it. The other ones are like, I can't do a 360 spin. And it's just like, that's just one aspect of the sport. You don't have to do that. Um, so just biggest thing that I've seen from these world games is really be open-minded to all sports that are out there. And um, like ones that you had no idea you might absolutely love. <laughs> so one of the things I was reading is you keep, I guess, 14 or 15 on a roster. Now, is that all active roster or is it like some you have to have for like reserve list? How does that kind of like work out? Yeah. So, um, typically 10 can be brought and, um, then you have anywhere from two to four alternates. So it's about four alternates with that. So, uh, the alternates are not taken. It's only the 10 that made the roster can attend. The other ones, um, if someone gets hurt, if someone, cause halfway through you had to do a COVID test, um, and they're close by that, let's say they, um, got a COVID test, uh, tested positive. The, another player can make it in time, then they can still play. So, but 10 only gets traveled. Okay. Um, another one of the things, um, I think the question just slipped for me, which is unfortunate awesome. uh grace if you had a question i'll try to remember it <laughs> no yeah I, yeah I think the concept of it's cool i mean when i was in high school i mean we put handball all the time like not beach handball but like regular handball all the time and it's super competitive and super fun um and i'm all for growing sports on the beach like you said especially when you live in florida um i mean there's even professional beach wrestling now and i believe it's in either fort myers or jacksonville this is where they do like their the team trials for beach wrestling so, I mean, I feel like we're just trying to utilize that all the time. And I'm all about being outside, you know, getting sunlight and and promoting, you know, fun ways to stay fit also. You know, like this is something that like you said, it's not like wrestling where it's like physical and hard and you have to be in good shape and stuff. Like you can just go out and have fun and enjoy this on a regular Saturday, going to the beach with your friends. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about these sports on the beach too and why they are trying to move a couple more to the beach is just for the Olympic wise is – have more outdoor sports but we live in these beachy towns that would be so cool just like oh i'm going to the beach to <laughs> go get tan oh wow there's a wrestling tournament out on the beach today um and like i said anytime we do beach handball we get and these are just practices we get people to come out and bring their chairs and be like okay i'm watching this instead of watching the water so it's it's really cool now when you're so, so i remember my oh sorry sorry <laughs> I finally remembered it. I apologize. But um, one of the questions I wanted to ask was you said um, the game is really fast paced. So how many games do you normally play in a day um, for a tournament or how long do these tournaments usually last and how often are you playing? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. It's about uh, four day tournaments. Um, in those four days, you can typically play two to three games a day, depending on just how many teams there are and the brackets and how they uh, work but it's typically a four day and you're playing about two games, uh, maybe day one, you could play three games. So that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think my very first tournament, my coach is like, why are you walking so funny? And I was just like, I'm just getting used to it. But by the second and third tournament, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling great. Your, your body does get used to it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a different deal. Is there a season for this? Like, is there like a season or is it like a year round thing? Uh, there is a season. So the uh, national team will go from 
tryouts, I think, start in December, February, anywhere in between there. And then March starts the season. And then about uh, June, July is when it ends. Tip, uh, You don't go in August a whole lot, but a couple weeks, maybe in August. Like, and then so clubs are all year times, round. Yeah, like the sunnier. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, so with that, playing... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, off. go ahead. The, uh, the, with it being on the beach and playing these like three to four games, do you, would you say most of the cardio conditioning is most um, in your lower half and legs? Because I know for me, whenever I would run on the beach, I feel like my legs got way more tired than they would playing um, anything indoors. So would you say the conditioning is primarily focused on just cardio and leg strength or are there other things that you have to focus on in uh, building up? Yeah, uh, so absolutely your bottom half is going to be huge in this sport. I say it takes about six months to get your sand legs. So don't quit until that time frame, at least. But um, also, but offense for me is my upper half, my abs, getting that whole body to be able to twerk like it's supposed to and not throw out your shoulders. Your abs are a huge, huge thing for offense. Now, when you're in season and you're playing for Team USA, how is your how does your practice schedule work? So we had one practice as a team before um, the Mexico tournament. Um, I didn't go to the Mexico tournament, but so we had one as a team. And then when we were in Europe, we ended up um, having a week, a week and a half to practice before Worlds. And then after that and so we just like rented an airbnb ran practice so you brought up the netherlands um for a little bit um, and we also saw that you were kind of asked to be brought on to kind of like a hybrid team. How did the hybrid teams kind of work between um, different countries? I know it, there was one between USA and Netherlands. Are there others that you know of or kind of how does that hybrid situation work out? Yeah, so club, it's um, a lot of teams are mixed together. I know Brazil uh, can't or they're not on the EBT list so a lot of their players will find teams and they'll play under their team name um we did that for italy so once again we didn't qualify there was no way for us to play in the ebt final but there was uh, an italy team that played that was indoor and they got a bid so they had one player that really wanted to play but no one else they could so they asked the u.s team to play on that um and then after that like my husband was practicing with the team and he got asked for the next summer to come out and play um, on their guys team. So it just depends on talking to people, networking with people, finding teams that need players. And, but the hybrid team in Netherlands is a little different. So that was a player that came out, played on the, um, the Netherlands team and then was just like, this is so much fun. I want to start playing all year round to really get used to it. So then she made this whole hybrid where USA can play and don't have to worry about um, not having enough spots or anything along those lines. And you're still getting these national players that are playing on these club teams. So it's not like difficult that since you guys don't speak the same language to like play together. Yeah, no, it, it can definitely be difficult. Uh, when I think one of the guys played on, I forget what team it was, and only half the team knew um, English. Um, and then so that was always the, hey, how do you do this? How do you like what position? It's a, l- a lot of pointing. But mm. the good thing is everyone typically knows English or at least somewhat. That was a big thing that um was an eye-opener to me. They're like, oh, I want to practice my English. Let me try. And they spoke perfectly. So you can pretty much get away with English. How much um, in the sport would you say is there like nonverbal communication? Because I know for a lot of sports, like in basketball, they'll have hand signs for certain formations. They'll adopt certain ways to like, um, I guess, raise awareness to their team without alarming um, the opposition. Have you guys kind of adopted anything along those lines or utilized anything um, sort of like that? 
Yes, but you see that a lot with the European teams. They, once again, they just know what each other's going to do, where they're going to be, so they can give each other this eye, this look. Um, the same for, we don't want to like call it a play. So we'll just be like pointing or telling someone to go here or doing stuff like that. But a lot of it is just when you run off and you have that 10 seconds on the sidelines talking, hey, what worked? What didn't work? What are we going to try? What's this? Um, so it's it's a lot of talking. Um, one of the things, because you actually just brought up a memory um, that I've always been curious about. So in volleyball, when um, they go to serve, usually your middle hitter or kind of like your setter will put up a number behind their back. This is mm -hmm. more so like volleyball, but what does that kind of like mean or what does that kind of play into? I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm, I think I can answer this question. Yeah, go for it. I'm pretty sure it's to attack a certain player and each player in that formation has a number. So if she holds up like a three, they're like, all right, serve it to that girl. Or like she holds up this, serve it to that girl. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely. So it was the coaches will throw up a number and that typically means what, where to serve to. If the blocker is doing it, um, it can mean one of two things, depending on what the setter and the blocker have discussed or the team has discussed. But most of the time it means blocking what they're going to block. So beach, if you throw up a two, that means they're blocking cross, whatever that person that they have is cross. One is line. Three is fake cross, but I'm diving line. And four is um, fake line diving cross. So that's what those numbers mean. Um, we don't really have that for uh, beach handball. I can see it though, starting to call, do plays just like basketball where they can throw up like a four or throw up a hand signal and they'll be like, oh, okay, I know what play we're going to run. How does coaching work during the game in beach ball, in a, excuse me, beach handball? So you're allowed one timeout per team um, per period. So they can call a timeout. Typically you'll see that towards the end of the game or the end of the 10 minutes. Um, but it's a lot of running around and being like, okay, offense is typically down here. Defense is down here. You'll have a secondary coach. Like for us in the U S team, we have a secondary coach that is for um, our goalies and our defense. So she can kind of help with that when the coach that's standing up is typically the main coach. And she tells you about everything um, typically the, uh, specialist jumps off where the offense jumps off for the substitution and they have to run all the way down to the goalie. So at that point, um, the coach and them are talking, trying to set plays and do that stuff. Um, while the offense people are trying to talk and be like, Hey, what should we do? What should we change? Or that worked really well. And the coach coach during the game, like at the players or he has to, they yes. have to be quiet, like tennis. Yep. Nope. And they can coach, um, during the game. Perfect. Um, because I was going to say, I feel like it could be useful for like if you're attacking a defense and you talked about how um, it's only four on three or you want to attack a specific defender, like you would put up a number or like try to like give like a signal um, to attack that defender. Is that kind of what you've been doing or is it kind of just like an understood thing? Like this person isn't really um, defending that well. We're just going to try to play the ball towards this side and kind of take advantage of that. Yeah. So typically we watch play beforehand and with that play, they come, they, we come up with a defensive, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to let the right wing shoot, but we want to push her out beforehand. So letting her catch the ball and then kind of pushing it out um, instead of like in the middle of the time trying to make plays now during the game, once let's say the right wing has shot and they're starting to get on fire. And just like basketball, once they keep going, they can keep making the shots. Then you can tell like, Hey, okay, now we need to go for the right wing. Let's leave this person open. So typically they come in with a plan halfway through. I feel like it always gets changed around because either it's working or it's not. So. Yeah. Like what Zach said with the adjustments, cause definitely something you see. And I mean, that's just a generality in sports is adjustments. You know, yeah. like you could be like, all right, this person's getting fatigued, like they're not pressing as hard on defense, or you could tell this person's sloppy at passing, or like even you mentioned earlier, like this person's their worst shooter. If we got to, it's better to focus on everyone else on defense and let them take their shot because they're only 50 50, you know? So it's feeling yeah. like something you got to, that your coach is probably looking for as well during the game. Yeah. And you see this with all sports, but for handball, if you have a defensive person, that's really like just messing with your mind, it's a mind, it's a mind game. Mm. So if that defensive person is just like, I've blocked you now twice, 
you're not, you don't want to shoot. And then you're just like, do I want to shoot? Then your timing's off then everything's off. I mean, it's all a mental game. How can we get in your head? How can we mess this up? But you being an athlete, you have to pull yourself out of that and be like, okay, I don't care. Block me again. I will get through my, I will start adjusting. I will start doing like that. But if you don't adjust, then your scheme worked at the beginning, your game, and you just keep going with that. I know Zach tapped on this topic a little bit earlier. I just want to bring it back to it. Um, does card does does fatigue play an aspect at all? Like, do you see teams that are like generally aren't as good in the second half because they're more tired, or like certain teams are known to push the pace? Like, is, is there certain slower, faster tempos? Like, is cardio an actual like benefiting factor of the game? Yeah, absolutely. So you're running from one sideline to the other, especially for defense, to make sure you stop that fast pace. Um, something that teams are really good at is okay, you shot the ball, it went in, that goalie's like, okay, that is gone. Let me just get the ball out and shoot it down. So you'll see fast pace. The Brazil team does it. Uh, so Chile does it quite a bit, or the Spain team does it. Um, and they're just really good at having that person jump off really fast. That makes that offensive person jump on. The goalie already has the ball of the net and you're shooting it down while on defense wise, you're trying to get that first person to sprint on. You do that three times and you have no time to rest in between. It gets exhausting. Mm. Yeah. Especially I mean, that like, could, oh, I'm sorry. Like, Oh no, you're good. I, that could happen like three or four times in just a minute. And you're like, mm. you just sprinted, you did suicides and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm exhausted now. Well, I just, I just know being a wrestler and MMA fighter, like that's, that's like probably like 90% of the sport. You got guys like, uh, Peter Yan or like Charles Olivier or even like old Twitters and Silva, they're very slow. They fight you very slow, but it's the same pace the whole five five rounds. So they never die out. And then you got guys like Colby Covington, who you know when you fight them, he's going to be like sprinting at you for 25 minutes straight. So like it's it's a huge strategic thing in MMA, like a pace. And I was just wondering if it was similar in, in handball as well. Yeah. And just think about, okay, now you are going into a shootout and you're exhausted and you don't have that much time in between um, a shootout and when that very first person's going. And let's say the shootout equals uh, 10 and 10. So you both made all yours. Then that goes into a, a Southern shootout. So until someone misses and, or even just the golden goal. So you fought your butt off for that 10 minutes now it's 10, 10, and it goes down to that golden goal. And all you have to do is make one shot. I've seen tons of people miss just because they're exhausted. Oh, yeah, they PTSD, are done. Yeah. 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 So one of the things um, we touched on earlier uh, from rule changing wise was just like the uniforms have kind of changed. Are there any rules in place for like, if you're allowed to wear eyewear, like your hair has to be like a certain hairstyle, um, like some things along those lines? Yeah. So they're really strict. Um, so for worlds, we had to turn everything we wanted to wear. I, for sunglasses, they have to be plastic. They have to be on a, like the croquis. Um, if you had to turn all braces in, nothing could be metal in there. Bobby pins, you have to put tape around it. If you want to use them. Um, it's very similar to high school where like, if you have, like, I have jewelry in my, uh, for earrings, uh, those have to be taped up. You can't see them. Um, if they come around and they see that it could be, you start with one less person or they give you a warning or that person might not be able to play. Um, but they are very, very strict on what you can and cannot wear. And then also even like KT tape, if you wear that, it all has to be the same for every player in that on that team. Damn. That wow. is, that's crazy. Cause that's not, so even, like, any, even, it's not even like a benefiting factor. That's more for like your own protection and safety. Yeah. So um, you typically have a trainer and they bring this a massive roll of something, but that same tape take like that same tape um, I have to use also for, to put on my earring. So you can't even use tape. like, like athletic tape on your earrings. It has to be the exact same. It has to be the same color. It's yep. Absolutely. No sense to me. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. No gum. Um, I'm a bad rule breaker of this. <laughs> I have to have gum. Um, but no way. yeah. Oh yeah. I have to, like, it's just something that I feel like I can make saliva and then I can last longer. It's also something to take my mind off of 
just a couple of things and not overstress it um, mm-hmm. because I can chew. Um, but I've always had that. I've always been that player that I needed gum and everyone's just like, how can you do that? It's so dangerous. I don't know. See, so I, I hate that, but I have a bunch of teammates that they practice with gum all the time. Yeah. Like, like we'll go, we'll grapple and they're just chewing gum. They're like, it keeps me calm. And I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't be doing this action while trying to move my body. I need to be like still. Yeah. No, I am that player that I need gum. So if they catch me with gum, I could get a suspension. Or he's one gum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So wait, do we need do we need to like cut that out so you don't get like a message from like the board? No, like, they're no, just gonna no, be like, no. so uh, she needs gum. It's a joke, okay? It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, um, I, I, I've never understood that. I really haven't. Yeah, no, of, I, I I can't not have it. <laughs> so one of the things that kind of like came to me because I didn't really consider it. Is there any rules about like sunscreen? Cause I know you're outdoors. You kind of like, need something. That. Great. are, are you like permitted to wear like a certain amount? Like if, will you get in trouble for wearing too much? Like, is, do you have to wear the same sunscreen on every part of your body type deal? Like, yeah, no, that that's, a, that's a great question. FPS 20, nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, there, sunscreen is not an issue. Um, as long as it's rubbed in, that's pretty much, um, all they care about, that's but true. it does play into play with the ball because depending mm-hmm. if you have sunscreen on your hands and because that ball is that rubber material, it definitely starts getting that nastiness on it. That slipperiness. That. Yeah. And especially even in the rain too. Um, but no the sunscreen, you can wear whatever you want as long as you, you are protected. <laughs> what would um, permit a weather delay? Cause you brought up playing through the rain a little bit. Obviously I don't think you guys would play through like thunderstorms or anything along those lines, but Will they put a game on hold because like wind speed's too high from the ocean? Maybe the rain's too heavy and the sand's gotten too like thick in consistency. Is there anything um, stopping pace of play from uh, weather? Uh, no. So just the lightning, uh, then there's going to be a delay for that. Uh, but if the ground is soaking, soaking wet and like basically like a pool of water is on there, they might, um, they, but the, the sand is so thick out there that it pretty much runs through that pretty fast. Um, but no, other than that, you're playing through everything, wind, um, rain, lightning. That is the delay that they'll do, but everything else you're playing through too hot. Um, we were yes, that is so- very, I, that's a very legitimate thing. If the sand's yeah. burning. Yeah. So too hot. I haven't seen it. Uh, in Greece, it was really, really hot. Um, in between games, we just try to get as much shade as possible. Um, but there was no wind. That was the biggest thing is like Italy, it was right off the water. So you at least had the wind aspect of it, but, um, no Greece, we played in everything. Now, what would you say your ideal, like body type to be like, you want to be skinny? Do you want, you don't want, I'm I'm assuming you want to be like, like a little fit, but you don't want to be bulky. Yeah. So I, cause you know, everyone has like, you're like, Oh, that's definitely a volleyball player. You can tell by thick thighs, like all of that. Um, you can tell like, Oh, that's a wrestler, just how they're built. Um, I try to figure that out for handball and I can't figure it out. Uh, there was all sizes, all shapes, uh, short, tall. I I'm six foot. And I think I have an advantage over, um, someone that's a little bit shorter than me. That's probably defending, but if they can jump out of the gym and they can broad jump just as far as I can broad jump, I mean, they're there, their hands are there. So I haven't seen like, Oh, this is the type that is a handball player. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Indeed. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Um, I will say for goalies, typically, if you have a short goalie, um, you want to shoot high. If you have a tall goalie, you want to shoot low. They have a hard time kind of getting that low aspect of it. Um, and uh, the goalie wise, if you kind of think of it as, as a six foot person, I can have my arm spans and still have some space for the ball. So, um, and then it's about six, six feet high, tall. So the goal yeah, is- yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and, or I'm sorry, maybe six, five, it's a little bit taller than me, but uh, typically, yeah, any short person you want to go high and any tall person you want to go low shooting. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Taylor, just one um, last question for me. What are your kind of goals 
for right now with what you're doing and what are you kind of looking forward to in the future and what are you trying to get to? Yeah, so as of right now, um, it is still not in the Olympics uh, for the 2024. It is still possible that it could be, but um, so if they don't, they might have a pregame um, on the Olympics uh, where everyone else gets played. So you can still be there, get to see it and play beforehand. Um, would love to make that. I would also hope that this is on the Olympics for the 2028. Um, and like I said, this is a sport that you can play till you're a little bit older. And um, so I want to be able to make that team and make it to the Olympics and say that I played in the Olympics. That sounds really cool. Like it was my dream as a little kid, kind of grew out of it. And then having that still as a grass, but I never knew how incredible it could be playing on a national team. I wear the USA gear out. I'll get people stopped by. I've had people ask for autographs. I've had people take photos with me and like, I've done the radio thing. I've done some things like that. And just the whole aspect of people coming in is just like, this is so incredible for you playing for the U S I took for granted over the summer. I really did. It's something that has really humbled me this last month or so. And I've tell people about it and they're like, that's so incredible. You're playing for the United States. And I'm like, wow, it really is. So going further, it's just really taken everything that this brings. So if it's more playing great and me getting to travel me getting to do all that stuff, but really feeling how honored it is playing for the United States. Right. Is there anything we can do as, um, newfound fans of beach handball that we can help advocate, um, for the summer Olympics, or is there any way um, that we as fans can kind of like promote um, handball being in the Olympics. Yeah, like is there a petition or anything that we could post on our social medias and stuff to like kind of promote and, and, and help out? Yeah, thank you guys so much for asking. That is so kind of you. Um, as of right now, I do not know if there's a petition out there. I will definitely, I can ask my coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but just getting the word out, saying what beach handball is, um, I feel like the United States does have a great, uh, carry in for the Olympics. So, um, that is something that we kind of take for granted being on the United States team is we get some bids, um, because they want it to grow in the United States. So just getting the word out, um, we do have, we are the St. Pete parakeets, uh, for our club team. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, following that and then come out and check it out, come, there's a tournament in Orlando, um, and down the road, we would love to host a tournament here in St. Pete and just show people what it is and see it. Anything that's on YouTube, like it and show people what it is. No, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk to you after and get uh, that promoted. And if and the other if you want to flip the script, if they ever need commentary or broadcast people, we're right up the alley. Oh, yeah. uh, we would love Absolutely. to start. That yeah, we would Absolutely. love to start You're the first friend. in line. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> But and Taylor, if you guys was, want to try a new sport, come on out to St. Pete. We'll teach you how to do 360 spins. But listen, it was awesome right. getting you on. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we've been really wanting to advocate, especially female sports. It's just been hard to get some female athletes on. But thank you for being the first one. Hopefully you set the tone and now we're able to get we're able to get more. And hopefully we're able to get some more people wanting to play some some beach handball. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You guys are awesome. And yeah, anything I can do to help, please let me know. No problem. Um, there oh, is gosh. one thing. There is one thing. Yeah. If you could direct me to the Parakeet Team Apparel Store so I can get a shirt or a hat, I would love <laughs> to support you guys. Um, I think the Parakeets is probably the best name I've ever heard. Um, so I Thanks. will definitely be looking into that. Awesome. Yeah, we don't have apparel yet. We just started it like uh, less than a month ago. But second we do, I will shoot it over to you and it will be on our Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you once again. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you guys. Have a great one. No problem.